So coming from the um, northwest lately, um, Pat and I's job has changed a little bit here. So we'll be coming actually uh, to different parts of the church more often than we've been able to. But just coming down and, and being uh, with everyone here is such a treat for us. And uh, I certainly want to send love from Patty. Um, that she's here, so some of the sisters I know that know her real well get time of fellowship. Um, you know, what, what a blessing it is uh, for the brothers and sisters here. And so, you know, I appreciate the warm uh, encouragement introduction that Mark gave. And, you know, Patty and I were uh, in the Southwest region for about 10 years. Um, both of our boys, uh, in a lot of ways, grew up um, in the Southwest in Arlington. And, and what a big part of our family uh, this part of the, the city and church is. And so, uh, Mark and Connie, uh, for those who don't know, actually, Patty was baptized in the Mancini's ministry uh, back in uh, University of Missouri. Uh, it is still an accredited university, uh, which I'm grateful for. And, um, you know, just that relationship we have with the Mancini's over literally like 35 years, almost 40 years, and what a blessing it is to be with them. And then, and then uh, Pierre and Shara being hired um, here uh, from the Dallas Church, and what a blessing they are to the staff, and the Bartlows, and the, the Myhans, and the eldership, and, and just how we all come together to build God's church throughout the Dallas area. Uh, I love the music. Um, it is somewhat different from Alan-centric type music. Um, now, now, Alan's gifted. He's wonderful. Um, but, but he definitely brings a little bit different dynamic. And you have the sisters up here, and they got the move down. And, you know, they're, they're like the temptations, you know. And, and, then, and then you have Steve Hooper over here. And, and he, amen, Steve. Amen. I love you, brother. Amen. I didn't say anything bad. I didn't say anything bad. So he's stepping. He's trying. Bless his heart. Amen. All right. So I'm encouraging him. Amen. So, and I can, I can take a dose of this all the time. And uh, I will take a report back to the elders about speaking in tongues. Um, you guys pass. Amen. All right. You made it. So, all right. So I want to get in the word here. So in the Northwest region, and, and when the Southwest met with the Northwest, um, about, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month ago, I did, I did a lesson, and, I, and I've been on this Galatians um, trek, you might say. And uh, there, there's some things going on in different parts of the church uh, that, that correlate with what happened in, in the book of Galatians. And I did, a, I did two lessons called, well, I did the first lesson I called The Life I Now Live. And you can go back, listen to it if you want to. I really focused on Galatians chapter 2. And, and so, but it was, it was so important that, that I had a second lesson, and, and I titled it, The Life I Now Live To. Hardcore, come up with a great title, To, all right? So the life I now live. And that implies that life is now different. And we're going to read the scripture here, that the, but the life I now live versus the life I used to live. And what was going on is that Paul was writing a letter to the Galatian region of churches. It'd be kind of like if, if Paul was writing a, a letter to the churches in Texas. 
And the churches were being thrown into chaos by outside teachers coming into that region of churches and, and talk, speaking about something. The disciples were not holding on to the word, which is Jesus. And what they were advocating is something like a Jesus plus. You know, Jesus with a little bit of Judaism. Jesus with a little bit of a law. Jesus and a little bit of you do this and do this and do this and do this and then you're okay. And see, Paul loved these people and he's calling them back to the gospel, the good news. So we're going to pick it up here in Galatians 2.20. We're going to actually going to look at a number of verses here, a number of scriptures, and, uh, but I think they'll flow pretty well. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, some of us maybe grew up singing this song. Um, well, I still remember how to do that, and you will not get me to <laughs> sing this to you because I will not do that. So, but you'll have to go online or something like that. So, so I, have, I have three points, but before I hit these points, I, I want us to think about something because I'm going to present to you a concept, okay. an action, and a truth. Okay. A concept is a, an abstract idea. The action is the process of actually doing something. And the truth is the quality or the state of being true. So let's look at the concept first. I have been crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ. Well, well how? Well, when? When did Paul get crucified with Christ? How did Paul, how is Paul talking to, to the Galatian churches and literally to us today about us being crucified with Christ? Well, let's look it over to Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. This is a, a, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And he says in verse 1 in chapter 6, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died in sin still live in it? Or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be bought, brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And see, what Paul's talking about here is that we participate with Jesus. We participate, we're united with him in his death, and then we will be raised to a new life. Our old self is crucified, and our new self is raised with him in life. And what Paul is doing here is that he's identifying with Christ's death, both the flesh 
and the world had ceased to be a controlling factors for the direction of Paul's life. It could have been literally reworded. He could have said, I've been I have crucified my right to self-control in my life. In the same way that Christ was crucified physically. He gave up his physical or his right to a physical life. I give up my right to a self-life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. It says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. <laughs> Chapter 6, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So Paul's consumed. You know, we can be consumed by a lot of things. Maybe we're consumed by the final four. Maybe we're consumed about what we're going to do after church and where we're going to eat. Maybe we're consumed about relationships or time off. I don't know what you're consumed by. But see, Paul, in his writings here, he's consumed. And he's consumed with understanding his relationship with Jesus. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Paul's a different person because of Christ. You know, a number of years ago, you know, Patty and I were, were um, at another church in Boston as a conference, and a bunch of leaders were there, and and, uh, you know, we got done. I did a presentation on uh, the conference that we had a, a number of years ago here in Dallas, and, or actually in San Antonio, and I uh, had a lot of fun with it. But afterwards, I, I left, and, oh, who's that called? Pierre, man, turn off your phone, bro. Come on, man. All right. So, so I did this class, and, and uh, you know, I was walking back uh, to our room, Patty and I, and this brother comes running up. And this is a brother I've known a long time in the ministry. And he walks up to me and he goes, either you're not taught Assad or God does still do miracles. <laughs> you know, one of the things I try to do is teach people how to, how to have good communication and good relationships. And, you know, and sometimes I think we... we, we uh, refine the art of the backhanded compliment you know like for instance in texas you can pretty much say anything about anybody just as long as you say bless their heart <laughs> brother you're as dumb as a load of bricks bless your heart <laughs> it works it does it works you're as ugly as sin bless your heart and this brother comes up to me, and he goes, he goes, basically, he's saying, man, you're, you're different than you were when I knew you when you were a young Christian. And he was trying to encourage me. But, you know, Patty's right behind me, and I, 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 I sense this crouching tiger, <laughs> hidden dragon, you know, coming out. And I knew what he was saying. I knew what he was saying. 
He was trying to encourage me. Because I do look at my first 10 years as a disciple, as the decade of ignorance. I was like, where was I? I didn't get it. I, didn't, I mean, I was there. I didn't quit. But I wasn't understanding the way I should as a disciple of Jesus. And I'm and I, like last week, um, you know, Mohan preached at the congregational. And, and, and I will say one thing. Thank you for being willing to drive so far up to Denton. Because it is a little bit of a drive for our brothers and sisters like south of 20. And I get that. But Mohan talked about how the grace of Christ gives us time to grow. But let's be serious. And I appreciate that because God does love us and he does give us time to mature. And I appreciate that. And I look back at my first years as a disciple and, and, and how grateful I am. And Paul talks about a complete change of attitude. Christ lives in me. His will, his vision, his passion. I'm his man now. I, it changes everything. Because I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. If you think about it. I mean, you think about Kim Kardashian lives in me. Really? Really? You know, I mean, some political leader lives in me. My sports figure lives in me. It doesn't do me any, it doesn't do anything. So back to Galatians 2, 20. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it leads into the second point. Now, the action. First was the concept of being crucified with Christ, and now the action of the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith. What does this mean, to live by faith? It's like, is this boring? Oh, the, the Christian life, a life of faith, that's boring. Well, let's just read a little bit here. So Paul brings in a new concept, a new thought in his letter to the Galatians. Now you see it in chapter 3 and verse 6. And he brings Abraham into the discussion. And in verse 6, he says, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospels beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you all nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Adam, Abraham, the man of faith. So what Paul does is that he brings Abraham into this discussion, which is huge for those of Jewish background. And he goes, those living by faith will, will make you a child of, of Abraham, which is a big deal. 
that would be like, you know, just think of the, the most incredible person that ever walked on this earth, and you get to now be his child. Those living by faith, God justifies. And, and you know, the justifies. That, that's, a, that's a concept, a, th- a thought process that I think is really important. Because what it means, mis- God justifies. What he's talking about here is sin. And I hate that word, sin. Because it's a concept. The word sin actually means to miss the mark. So it's like an, it's an archery term. So if you're taking an archery lesson and, and you're taking it and you're shooting it, like let's say you're going to go for a little boar hunting or something like that, and, and you're shooting that arrow, you're always missing the mark. You're always missing the mark. And we use the word sin as like a hammer now. Well, you're just in sin. But what it means is that, you know, you're missing the mark. And, and if we were going to be honest and open, we could talk to anybody in the world, and if you ask them, are you doing what you should be doing? I'd probably say every single person would say, no, I'm not. What, so what are they doing? They're missing the mark. And now what God does, God declares you hit it. So you're, 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 you're shooting your arrows and you're missing the mark and God says, no, you hit it. No, you hit it. You're hitting it. You're hitting it. And Satan's there like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. God's justifying us. Those living by faith, not only are children and justified, but then they're also blessed along with Abraham. And that's huge. I mean, again, think of that. What does it mean to be blessed? I mean, honestly, probably in our context, we think blessing is, A, either we win the lottery or we, we, we go to someone's house or our own house and someone really throws down a really good table of food. <sighs> I've been blessed. <laughs> I get that. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Genesis now, chapter 12. Let's understand even more what, what Paul was talking about here. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now the Lord said to Abram. This is Abraham before his name got changed a little bit. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went. As the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, understand this, what's going on. Here you have Abram, 75 years old, about Mark's age, okay, 75, okay? He's prosperous. He's prosperous, he's blessed. He's settled, thoroughly pagan. And the word of the Lord came to him and told him, go. Go. I want to take you on an adventure. I want you to go and leave your country Leave your people. Leave your father's house. 
I want you to go, and I will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. And see, his leaving started a chain of reactions. If Abram would get up and go. See, Abram's calling had a purpose. His obedience would bring about great blessings to him, his family, and the whole world. He's told to leave several things. Like I said, his country, his people, his father's household. He's not told to the land where he will go. He's just told that he would be blessed. And his departure required an unparalleled act of faith. And see, living by faith takes God at his word and obeys. And see, we're still called to go. You know, a number of people in this room were asked to go to Dallas many years ago. Those in St. Louis, Kansas City, other parts. Many people in the Dallas church were asked to go to places like Houston and, and San Antonio and, and New Orleans to build the churches there. Some were asked to go into the full-time ministry. But all of us were asked to go on an adventure, to live by faith and to go, go into our neighborhoods, go into our places of work, employment, Go into places that maybe are scary to us and not like us, but we're called to go. You know, in the, in the Northwest region, you know, we've been, you know, part of the Northwest region was all the way up in Denton, and we had all these college students, and, and then we had a bunch of people down south, and, and we're making some changes in the, in the Dallas church, and for instance, like, we've never really had a presence like, probably for the last 20 years at SMU. And so now we're going to have the Zechs start working with SMU as they also work with youth and family in the Northwest. And, and the Northwest service is probably going to go a little bit closer towards Dallas uh, off of 114. But, but, you know, how do you take probably arguably the oldest part of the DFW church and tell 350 members to go? But my relationships are here. My best friends are here. Yeah, I get that. Go. So we had a process, and, and, and I'm just going to kind of show you how we did it uh, in, the, in the Northwest region. So. For regional drafts, hopefully the only one. Oh, we're very excited to be here. How are you doing, Jordan? I'm doing well, Chris. You know, people have been working extremely hard for this day. For myself, I have not shaved for two years because of this draft. And we can tell, Jordan. By virtue of a coin flip, Alan has won the first pick of the draft. Hold on, folks. We're just receiving word Alan has turned in his first pick. And with his first pick, it looks like he has selected John Lines. This makes complete sense, Chris. The right. solid service starts with a solid A-B guy. We're taking a live look with Jeff here. He doesn't look real happy with that last pick, Jordan. I bet, Chris. John was a clear first choice. <laughs> we see Jeff is sending in his first pick, and it looks like we just received word 
Oh, wow. His first pick is Trey Gower. Wow. Jeff has really turned the tides in this draft. He is clearly making this personal. Absolutely, Jordan. Wow. Let's see how Allen's dealing with that news. He does not look happy, Chris. That's a really great insight there, bro. But I'm getting news that we're getting Allen's second pick, and Allen selects... Oh, no. Alan selects Laura Smith. Oh my goodness, he took his mom? No way, this is getting out of hand. We're heating up here, Chris. It's, it's a little crazy. Let's take a look to see how Jeff is dealing with this news, Jordan. <laughs> Jeff does not look happy at the moment, Chris. Yes, spot on analysis, again. Who invited me? <laughs> well, it looks like Jeff has quickly figured out his next pick, though. I'm getting it here on my phone. Let's take a look. We're receiving word with Jeff's next pick has taken. No, Jeff. Jeff has picked Matt Fab as his next selection. Oh my goodness, Chris, this is huge. Jeff has taken Alan's song leader. Not sure if they're gonna let Alan sing and preach. Uh, it looks like Alan has decided to stop texting in. I'm not getting any more news. What's this? It looks like Alan is calling Jeff Smith directly. Let's see if we can get a look at that. So we've gotten word of this phone call. You know, I really wonder what they're talking about, Jordan. My best guess is we're gonna see our first ever trade. Wow, if that's true, Chris, we haven't seen something like this since the South traded the Assads to the North. It would be pretty big news. Hang on, I'm getting a trade alert, in fact. Uh, it looks like Jeff has phoned in his trade. Uh, this is unbelievable. Oh, I'm trying to, oh no. What? Jordan Zek has been traded to the Denton region. What, for, for what? Jordan Zek was traded to the Denton region for a bag of Bibles and a small handful of two-in-one communion cups. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's been an exciting first draft day, everybody. I uh, can't wait to see what the week brings, but there's going to be more exciting picks for sure. Stay tuned. Amen. Yay. Yay. So I think probably where I had the most fun is, is seeing those guys put together a video like that and how much fun they had. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal to, to tell people relationally like to go. We need you to go to Denton. We need you to stay in the central. We need do, to do this because we want to build God's church. And we, we're, we have small groups, you know, the whole DFW church, and, and, and we're all called to go, to live by faith. And so, so this week, let me ask you this question, or perhaps to put something out to you. Okay. How are you going to go this week? What are you going to do this week by faith? You're going to step out and go somewhere to, to share the gospel, to reach out to someone, to invite someone into your home. Where are you going to go and live by faith because Christ lives in you? And then the last thought is the truth. The, the, the abstract or the concept, the action and now the truth. And it's, uh, the truth is, he loved me and gave himself for me. 
Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 again. I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live. Oh, sorry. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the truth is, Jesus loves me. Jesus gave himself for me. I'm loved. You're loved. And how do you respond when you're loved? And see, Paul communicates it again to the Roman church. Roman and Galatians actually are very closely linked in their theology. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. While we were still weak, at the same time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good one, someone would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him through the, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by his death of his son, much more now that we've been reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him through whom we have now reached reconciliation. So what Paul does, he wraps this all up. He says he wraps it up in the scripture here. He says, while we were weak, when we were sinners, when we were enemies. You know, again, that concept, enemies. You know, we don't think we have enemies, but we do. And it's not the Russians. No, it's, it's I mean, I appreciate Mark said earlier. We had a, a woman at the service that I preached that she was from Russia, visitor coming to church. And it was so encouraging her, for her to hear that, that, that yeah, our, our, our press, we, just, we always ramp ourselves up thinking we have to have an enemy. Well, at the end of the day, we do have an enemy, and it's Satan. And God shows his love for us. He died for the ungodly, died for us, saved us from the wrath of God, saved by, we are saved by his life. Now we are reconciled, we are justified, we are loved. You know, the best way to, to, to help us understand this is for those of us who are Star Trek fans, who would you die for? Spock or Captain Kirk? Now that's supposed to be a joke. But, but who would you die for? You wouldn't die for Spock. You would die for Captain Kirk. Kirk is fun. He's lovable. He's a little on the goofy side, but, but you know what? He always wins the day, whereas Spock is logical, always right, kind of relationally constipated. <laughs> but see, Jesus died for everybody. He died for everybody, not just someone who you would die for because you like what, the way they look or the way they act, or the way they talk to you. Jesus died for the other. So what's the bottom line? What's the bottom line for us? The life I now live. The life I now live. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you've made that decision. The life you now live. What's the bottom line? Well, let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. 
Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith, living by faith, works itself out through love. It's like, to to understand that concept, it's it's whatever I do by faith. If I'm going to go knock on my neighbor that I I can't stand, that I'm kind of fearful, and I'm going to bring them some cookies, or I'm going to invite them to dinner, by faith, I'm going to go love my neighbor. By, by faith, I'm going to work out this relationship that maybe it's been really awkward for a long time. By faith, I'm going to stand up and... You know, I remember when I was in chiropractic school. And there were some people, I mean, I got out through the skin of my teeth. I got put on academic probation three semesters in a row. But I'm still a doctor. <laughs> you know? And I remember going up and, 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 and inviting one of the sharpest guys that I knew in my class. And we had like, we had like a special service, some, I don't know, but I'd go up and go, hey, hey, um, I think it's Benjamin, his name is Benjamin. Hey, Benjamin, would you come to church? <laughs> Benjamin, would you come to church Sunday? I sounded like my youngest son when he ever got in trouble. You couldn't understand the word he was saying. And I invited Benjamin, and I walked away, and I'm thinking, did I say two intelligent words in a row in that invite? And I don't think I did. But I did it. I invited him. I tried. Because I did care for this guy. I did want him to have an opportunity to come out and understand Jesus. I'd love to sit here and say, oh, he's not your brother in the Lord. He's not. But see, I still have to step out in faith. I have to step out in love. I have to go do things because my faith is being worked out as I love people. So everything I do has to be about loving. Galatians 5, verse 13. It says, you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And what was going on here, some some of the poison coming in, they were like, oh, you're free now. You can do whatever you want. Paul's like, no, you can't. You got to love your brothers and sisters. You got to serve them, love them. And then lastly, Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit, not fruits, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against this such thing, there is no law. See, living by faith grows in the fruit of the Spirit. So let's say you've been a disciple for 10 years or 5 years or 20 years, and it's like, well, Todd, you know what? I'm, I'm working on the fruits of the Spirit, and you know what? I'm, I'm really good at being joyful. That's my gift, being joyful. No, it doesn't work that way. That means 
you got to be growing in patience along with being joyful. You, you also have to learn how to be at peace and kind and good and gentle and self-control. All these things as we're trying to be more and more like Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit. You just don't focus on one and let the other ones go to pot. You're becoming like this, period. So, so for, for those who are newly wed, I'm not going to just learn how to be tolerable to you. I'm going to learn how to be kind and gentle and loving and patient. And, and, and for those in my Bible talk that maybe that just rub me a little bit differently, and I'm going to be kind and gentle and loving and and to my neighbors, and to the lost, and to the, you grow in your own character. Because the life I now live, the life I now live, is different from the life I used to live. And I hope, brothers and sisters, in the southwest region, and for those of us who are sprinkled that are part of other parts of the church that have come and needed a little bit of a dose of, of Southwest, <laughs> which I totally get, we have to understand is that the life I now live, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about how we're going to glorify Jesus in the, the days and the weeks and the months and the years that God gives us to live on this earth earth so i pray that as we take communion that we'll remember our, our brother jesus and we'll consider how we're living this life today to glorify him let's go to god in prayer